Well, good morning. For those that don't know me, I'm Bruce. I'm the middle school pastor here at Why Is That a Free? I'm excited to be up here this morning. I'm excited because this is actually my third time um, to share, uh, to, to preach on a Sunday morning here at Why Is That a Free? I'm excited. For those that haven't picked up on it, I'm actually doing my own series. It's going to take me a little bit longer because I only get to go every six months. But I started, <laughs> I started last July talking about margin and putting space in our life. And, and especially God-sized space in our life. And then I spoke in January about integrity as part of the Armor of God series and the Belt of Truth and integrity. And now I'm going to take both of those and roll them into the third one. And we're going to talk about work because, honestly, they, they tie directly into it. So stick around. I plan on wrapping up in about 2017. So <laughs> given my current pacing. But, but I'm excited to talk about this subject of work because it's something that, that applies to all of us. You know, we all have work to do. And whether that's work at home or work in an office place or work on a truck or work wherever, we all have work to do. And so work is something that, that, that is intimately involved in all of us. It's also fun for me that it's part of this addictions series because unlike some of the other addictions we've talked about, like gossip and greed, work has a sacred aspect to it that it, it that that it's one of those, you know, it's easy to say, don't gossip ever. And if you ever do it, it, it's wrong. But we don't say that about work, right? Work is wrong, don't ever do it. You know, some of us might like to hear that. <laughs> but but that's, that's, not, that's not the truth. And so we're going to talk about this, this idea about, about work. And, and, and part of it, though, flows from my, my past as well, as part of the reason I'm passionate about this, is when I came here to Why Is That a Free, I'd left a full-time position at another church. And I was in the process of looking for a new position. And I came here, and Why Is That a Free had a part-time position. And at the time, I was going to seminary, and so working part-time was a good fit for me. And I was able to stay at home with my kids, who had just been born, the youngest two. And so I had some time to be a stay-at-home parent. And I had some time to attend school, and so a part-time position worked well with that. What I wasn't prepared for in that whole conversation was how people reacted to part-time employment as my only employment. Is I thought more people would respond to the stay-at-home dad thing, and, and not so much. The part-time, there was just this attitude, and some even vocalized it of, oh, couldn't hack it. Couldn't do it. You weren't quite, you know, full-time employment isn't for everyone. Or maybe you chose the wrong career. <laughs> when, when, you know, we, we, it's become so much of our identity, right? What we do for a living. If you hang out with any guys, what's the first question they ask each other is, so what do you do? I mean, work is, is so much a part of our identity. And, and while that's in some ways a good thing, in some ways it's a not so good thing. So we're going to talk about work this morning. And I want to share kind of three of my thoughts that I think are, are God's thoughts on work. And uh, one is how we work is an extension of what we believe. And then I want to talk about God's plan for work and then about God guiding your work. So let's talk about what we believe and how, that's, how our work is an extension of what we believe. So I love what I do. I work here in middle school ministry. I work as a part of the family ministry team. We like to come alongside families, parents, siblings, grandparents, single adults, all families at fam in family ministry at Wise Out of Free and come alongside them in their faith. 
right? And, and when I went to college, before college, you know, my dad came up to me when I was in middle school and said, have you ever thought about being a pastor? I said, there's no way, dad. There's no way I'm ever going to become a pastor. And then I started working at camp and I went, hey, this youth ministry thing is kind of cool. I like working with students. Let's do that. But there's no way I'm working in the church. And then I went to college and God really got a hold of my heart. And I said, okay, God, I'll go to the church, but I'll stay out of the suburbs. And now I'm here and I've learned to stop telling God no. But <laughs> But I, I, I really was passionate about this idea, and I love working with students, but I've really come to learn through the years, through 15-plus years of working with students, that if I work with students exclusively, I'm missing a huge chunk of it, that you have to work with the entire family. And I love working at Wise Out of Free, where I get an opportunity to work with entire families and really come alongside families, because our goal in family ministry is not to train your kids for you, but to come alongside you as you raise your kids in a spiritual way. And so I love what I do. And so for me, uh, it's easy to go, yeah, what I believe uh, has a direct correlation to how I work, or how I work is, is directly led by what I believe. And, and for me, there's a natural correlation there, but it's, it's not just me. And we see it in the scripture. We see it that the Bible starts teaching that way that families are supposed to come alongside their kids and say things when they stand up, when they wake up, when they walk down the road, and when they go to bed. They're supposed to constantly be in this conversation, this spiritual conversation with their kids. But it's even more than just a conversation, right? Because I can tell my kids lots of things, and especially the four-year-olds, they're really good at hearing them and not as good at putting them into practice, right? That, that, that in other words, sometimes what we teach is taught more by what we do than what we say, especially when it comes to faith, right? Faith is caught more than taught. How we model it is significantly more important than what we say. And so as we look at Luke chapter 4, and by the way, just to warn you, I'm going to jump around a lot this morning um, in the Bible. I plan on keeping... But in Luke chapter 4, we're going to start... Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 16... I'm going to look at the life of Jesus here real quickly because Jesus models this idea that he was about infecting his disciples with his faith more than telling them, right? So as we look at Luke chapter 4, verse 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. So the disciples and those around him, those who wrote the gospels, caught that. They didn't just write, hey, he went, to, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. They felt it necessary to write, which was customary for him, which was common for him. And then same thing in Luke twenty two thirty nine, 39, we see Jesus right before he's crucified going out to the Mount of Olives to pray. And there again, Luke finds it necessary to say, as was his custom, he went off by himself to pray. In other words, Jesus' faith infected his life. He didn't just talk about it. It was fully incorporated into his being. And so that's the way our faith is supposed to be, right? Our faith is supposed to be fully incorporated into our being, not just something we talk about. And that works at work too. When I was in middle school, my voice sounded different before, it, before I, I hit puberty. In fact, significantly different. Good enough that uh, it's changed enough that before puberty, I was actually invited to be a part of a boys singing small group. Now, I wouldn't be. But back then I was, and I was invited to come and sing with them as a soprano. So I was a soprano in a boys' small group, and we sang this song in sixth grade called Cats in the Cradle, and which is kind of a folksy song about, about a dad who's super busy at work, and, and his kid wants to play with him. He keeps, saying, he keeps on telling his son, yeah, when I get home, when I get home, when I get home, I'll play with you. Don't worry. I don't have time today, but, but we'll do it another day. And then at the end of the song, it reverses, and all of a sudden, 
And the dad turns to his son and says, hey, I'm free now. I'm retired. And the son says, great. I'm super busy. My son's sick. I'm really busy. Another day, dad. And so I got done singing this song and I went up to my dad and I said, what did you think? And he goes, that's a really scary song. (laughs) And as a middle schooler, I was like, well, I guess. But as a parent, that's a really scary song. There are days I'm really afraid that my four-year-olds will turn out more like me than I really want them to, right? There are days that I look at them and I go, ooh, I've seen that face before. <laughs> that was on me when I was upset, and I, you caught that. Shoot. So my question is, what are you teaching your families in regard to work? In other words, what do they see you model? Do they see you talk about being kind and loving and generous and then act a different way? Are they seeing you, are my kids seeing me say, don't talk poorly about people and then coming home and ragging on my coworkers? What are my kids picking up and what are your kids picking up and what are your families and friends, what are you infecting them with when it comes to work? Because how we work is an extension of what we believe. If I'm a workaholic, what does that teach my kids? And is that what I want them to catch? Right? And so now all of a sudden we can see why something as sacred as work can be in an acceptable addiction series and talk about how maybe work can be an addiction for us. When I was up here and and spoke on um, integrity, I read from Jeremiah, and it's one of the scariest passages for me because I think it kind of describes our society today as much as it does back then. In Jeremiah 7, chapter, uh, chapter 7, verses 4 through 11, we read this. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the alien, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place in the land I give your forefathers forever and ever. But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which bears my name, and say, we are safe. Safe to do all these detestable things. Has this house, which bears my name, become a a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. And that's a scary one for me because what it's saying is, do you go outside of church and act in a way that is contrary to what you say in church? And more specifically to what God says in church. Do I come into church and say, I'm safe. I went to church on Sunday. And then go out and act in a completely contrary way outside of church. Am I a Monday morning atheist that when I get to work, no one would know? that I'm a Christian, that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. What we believe is an extension of how we work. So then what is work? So if we're going to talk about work, let's talk about what God's plan for work is, because sometimes I think we get too trapped into this idea that work is over here. It's my job. It's my career. And that's it. We've separated things. And I'm not sure that that's God's intent. And so what is God's intent for work? Well, let's start back in Genesis chapter 2. Let's look at Adam and Eve in the very beginning. Let's look at them before sin entered the picture. Sin enters the picture in Genesis 3. So let's start in Genesis 2, where we see work show up for the first time, and we see this. The Lord God, 2.15, Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. There it is. Work shows up before sin. 
And work changes drastically when sin enters. If we read in Genesis 3, sin enters the picture. Adam and Eve both sin. And all of a sudden, we see things like toil and pain associated with work, which never were before. Now work is associated with toil and pain. And those of you that are in a job that is toil and pain are going, yes, yes. And, but, but that's when it showed up, is sin. That was not God's intent. But look, look closer at Genesis 2.15 because Adam and Eve are placed in the garden to work it and take care of it. That was also their home. That was their life. That was their community. That was their social circle. That was everything. There wasn't a separation there. Now, I'm not telling you to take your work home, but for a lot of us, our work has become our tribe, our community, our social center. We spend more time at work than we do anywhere else. So really what I'm saying is, is your faith in your work as well? Or have you separated them? The Greeks came along in ancient history and they liked to separate the physical or the secular and the spiritual and the holy. And the Greeks came along and they, and we still live in this world. Now, they separated it and out of that came the first great heresy of the Christian faith, this idea that, that physical is bad all the time and, and spiritual is good all the time, therefore Jesus wasn't really a man. That was the first heresy. It came out of this thought process. We've rejected that heresy but kept that same thought that they should be separate, that our work is over here, physical, and it's not spiritual. But, but that's not the case at all. Our work is supposed to be an extension of who we are, and our work is more than just our job, right? When I, when I left my last church and, and I came to work here on a part-time basis, I also took a job as a school bus driver, and I also went back to seminary. So that means in my life, I had seminary part-time, I had stay-at-home dad full-time, I had working here part-time, and I had school bus driving part-time. I was a pretty disjointed person. And it was really easy for me to take three of those and lump them together as spiritual. Seminary, working at a church, and taking care of my family. Those are spiritual. This bus driving thing is a paycheck, right? That's over here. But in reality, I spent a lot of time driving a special ed bus and talking with bus drivers over here that deeply changed my view of God in some very significant ways. You know, and, and sitting, you're changed when you sit down in a, in a break room and somebody comes up to you and as, throughout the conversation, all of a sudden they turn to you and they, in tears and they go, well, you believe in Jesus. Do you think I'm a horrible person? It changes things. This is no longer separate, is it? And we all have the opportunity to have those kind of conversations with people, to bring the holy into the secular. In Colossians 3, 23 through 24, we read this, whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, whether it's seminary, or a bus driver, or working at a church, or home with your family. Whatever you do, are you working for the Lord? And not working for the Lord like a client relationship, like, like I do work for another company, and so therefore I, I do things for them. But working for them as a supervisor. In other words, would God be happy with your work if he was your boss? Because he is, and he should be. So would he be happy with your work? Are you working for the Lord as the owner of the company? This gives us a clear calling in our life that it is for Christ that we work, not for our supervisors, not for our paycheck, not even just for our family. But it's for God. It is God that motivates us to work rather than the dollar. It's God that motivates us to work and for our work to be an extension of our relationship with him 
right? So suddenly bringing our faith into work as an extension of a relationship with God is more than just bringing our Bible and reading it on a break. Is more than just saying, God bless when somebody sneezes. Suddenly bringing that relationship in changes things. Living out my faith at work like I do at church and at home might look a little different for some of us than what it does right now. So then I ask, who's guiding your work? If what we believe is, is an extension of how we work, and if God believes that work is more than just my job or my career, that it's, that it's supposed to incorporate everything, that my relationship with God is supposed to incorporate everything, then, then how do I let God guide my work? How do I, well, let me give you an analogy from my life. So at that same time that I left that, I'm kind of going through this story in a weird order. I realize I'm not giving you a chronological version. I understand that. I'm doing that intentionally. But when I left my last church and I started looking for a job, I was looking for a paycheck. I I had left a full-time position. I had two kids. I needed to provide for my family. I was looking for a job. I did what normal people do when they're looking for a job. I updated my resume. I sent it out to a bunch of places. I started, you know, calling people I knew. Hey, have you heard of any place looking for a guy like me? And I started pursuing options and openings. And lo and behold, I got an offer from a church in the North Metro area. And at the same time that that happened, I got an offer to candidate at a church in Wisconsin. And at the same time that happened, I got an offer to uh, go and do a second interview at another church in rural Minnesota. In other words, things were going well from a logical standpoint. But that's when God spoke into my situation. He said, who are you following? Who are you following in this? Because that's not my plan for you. He said, because God very clearly told me, Bruce, if you are going to go back to school and have kids and work full-time at a job, something's going to get cut. And I can tell, Bruce, because I know you, that it's not going to be your work and it's not going to be your school. It's going to be your faith and your family. Those are the things that you will sacrifice first, my natural tendency. So he said, who are you following? I want you to take a part-time position. Okay, God. So I turned down the one offer. I withdrew my name from all the others, and I actually called Wyzetta Free Church, where I thought there was a full-time position, and said, hey, I'm not looking for a full-time position. And they said, well, that's interesting, because we're looking for a part-time person. And all of a sudden, the situation changed. And all of a sudden, letting God guide me instead of my dollar led me to a place that fit really well. And, And then in that process, I take a look at passages like Matthew Matthew chapter 6, and I read this. Like I said, I'm jumping around a lot. I can still hear pages turning, which is great. That means people are trying to keep up with me. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first 
his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So what's guiding you? Is it this dollar? Is it this fear? Is it your boss? What's guiding you at your work? Are you like I was sitting there going, but I need to take care of my family, which means I need a certain type of job and position? Or are you trusting God? Because I stand before you fully clothed and well-fed, having gone through that process. And, and so who's guiding you? Is it your fear and your worry that's driving you? Or is it God? Is it money? Is it your parents? Are you a person who's in a career who's, who's said no to God so many times because you felt that pressure from your family to succeed? Is it success? Is it acceptance? And notice how some of these things I'm bringing up are these addictions we've already addressed. What's driving you at work? What is it that you need to say, God, search me, and what's driving me at work? And if you're a parent, are you a parent who is pushing a kid to go down a path that you think is best for them, not what God thinks is best for them? What's driving you? What's guiding you? Because if we let our relationship with God fully engage with our work and our family and our community, then our work becomes sacred and holy again instead of something uh, secular and separate. And I want to end with a video clip that I just think summarizes this very well. So here it is. Work. Most of us spend over half our lives at work. Whatever it is you fill the nine to five with, planting crops, building cars, taking care of patients, teaching students, or running a business, work is where most of life happens. For some, work is a drain. They dread Monday mornings, forcing themselves to struggle through because they need the paycheck, while many times feeling trapped and beaten down by their job. Some people love their work. They're good at what they do. It energizes them. It's a place of security, a place to chase dreams, desires, and success. At work, they find fulfillment. We often forget to connect our faith to our work. We don't consider the reasons God may have us at our job. We don't think about the purpose and meaning we could bring to our work. We simply focus on how it makes us feel. But what if we saw our work as an opportunity to worship? As Christians, we are called to serve Christ with our lives. For a few, that means working as a pastor, a youth minister, or a missionary. Others serve the church by teaching children or singing in the choir. But when Sunday is over, most of us return to our jobs outside the church. For us, our mission is in the marketplace. We may not be the kind of missionary who moves to the far regions of Africa, but around the conference table, around the water cooler, around the cubicle, we have an opportunity to worship the God who created us. He gave us skill. He gave us passion. He gave us work. When we do our jobs with excellence and integrity and diligence, it's an act of worship. We are displaying God's craftsmanship to the non-believing world around us. We are earning the right to be heard. We don't see a divide between Sunday and Monday, between the sacred and the secular. We've been invited into parts of the world that a pastor or a traditional missionary will never see. We have conversations with people who would never set foot in a church. Whether we love or dread our work, we choose to turn the focus away from ourselves and toward the mission God has for us. Church is not the only place we worship, and Sundays are not the only days on our calendars that have meaning. 
Every day on mission for God brings us great joy. Like the heroes before us, we can be modern-day Noahs and Josephs and Peters who are called with a purpose. God has designed us. He created us to work and to worship. For us, work is worship.